calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Blog, July 16th. I was walking around the property all morning, and I think I found the hanging oak. Or at least, I found a tree with presents. Since nothing magical happened, even after I said "Om" like they did in that one yoga class I took, I walked back to the house thinking about the witches. I decided that I needed a way to get close enough to them to find their weaknesses. I told Victor that I wanted a reset with the witches and he suggested inviting them over to the house for brunch. I didn't call them witches to his face. I called them by their actual names. I was excited because I knew they wouldn't reject an invitation from a Richardson. Plus, they genuinely seemed to like him. Almost everyone does. Babe, you're absolutely doing the right thing here. Publishing is a relationship business and these ladies could be great connections for you. Look at them that way, Victor said, his blue popsicle eyes shining as he leaned against the kitchen counter, drinking from his demitasse of Turkish coffee. I consulted my astrological calendar and made Victor rush to send out an invitation for tomorrow. He huffed and puffed, but tomorrow there's positive energy around networking and sharing ideas because of Venus and the North Node of the Moon aligning in my sector of friends. Duh, I need all the help I can get. Later, I thought more about what Victor said about relationships and connections. At first, the witches had been nice to me. Well, Bibi hadn't. But overall, they had been welcoming. I've been thinking about my vision more and more. What if the coven had the same vision and wanted to teach me magic so I could join their circle? Then I'm the one who's been bitchy. Oh God, did they think I was a threat now? I need to be smart and calm at brunch tomorrow. Realm presents, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, Episode 5. Log, July 17th. The first thing I did when the coven arrived was pull Carmen aside to apologize to her about my behavior. 
I spent a lot of time yesterday worrying about her. She's the only witch who has magically done anything to me. She said she accepted it, but her face was completely neutral and I couldn't tell what she was really thinking. I was grateful Victor was there to man the grill and kick off the conversation. Like the first time I met the goddesses, they were dressed similarly in white and tan. I was tempted to make a joke about gang colors, but thought better of it. Like my mom used to tell me, you don't have to say everything you think. After a couple of rounds of my famous sangria, I started to pitch them on my slavery book idea. The book was, after all, my cover for why I had Victor invite them over. Megan was immediately bummed out by the subject matter. All of those poor children. I had to bite my lip to stop me from telling her that slavery was fucked up for the adults, too. I pivoted to asking about how I could build an influencer platform around the subject. Slavery can't really be packaged into a brand. Definitely not. I guess I was just hoping you all could help me learn how to build a platform through which I can talk about all these things. No matter which platform you choose, you'll have to put your qualifications in your bio. Have you written any articles or taught a college class on the subject? My blackness is my qualification. I turned to Bibi, who had practically been mute since she arrived. Don't you look for authors who have a certain following on social media? I asked her directly before turning to the rest of the witches. Do you maybe have any tricks I could use to get a following? Maybe loan me some of your social media magic? As soon as I mentioned magic, BB eased out of her chair and walked over to Victor, who was eavesdropping from the grill. She asked him loudly about his setup and how he built his fire. I don't know how she knew that was his favorite question in the world, but she did. Mommy Megan played dumb, suggesting I gather a following on Twitter since that seems to be where a lot of authors go. I told her that's what my agent said. I was hoping to hear from you all the mechanics of building a following. They were giving me nothing. I wondered if Victor being there was the problem. But then I remembered Carmen hadn't been shy about making my skin color fade in the middle of town. Bibi and Victor interrupted my train of thought by bringing over a couple platters piled high with lamb and steak and grilled vegetables. After everyone oohed and odd over the food, Victor ran back to the grill to get the tiny tomatoes and aluminum foil he'd been roasting since this morning. You know what, babe? I was listening to your book idea while I was grilling. I think the book might be too niche for anyone but a local publisher to pick up. Does anyone in Los Angeles or anywhere other than New York really care about what was going on in Westchester County hundreds of years ago? It may have been his mouth moving, but I knew they were the words of a publishing insider. BB. Maybe you should look into teaching when we get back to Brooklyn, like Brooke suggested. Then, the rest of the witch bitches, even Mommy Megan, made Victor say their words. They were showing me their power, and Victor had no idea. Babe, Carmen has such beautiful skin. There's this facialist she uses in town. They specialize in clearing blackheads. Yeah? How do you know that? I asked, staring at Carmen. 
My face was not neutral. She looked down. Megan complimented the food. Thanks. Your food is great, too. You should really have a show on the Food Network. Babe, Megan has an online cooking workshop for couples. We should take one. I shot daggers from my eyes at Megan. She started bouncing her knee and stared at her plate. When I glanced at Brooke, she had a smug look on her face. If you want to go back to Brooklyn tomorrow to get a head start on this teaching thing, I'll be fine. Brooke will take care of me. I took off my hoop earrings and stood up, ready to snatch Brooke's edges. Fuck magic and fuck their circle. Carmen knew what was up and put a stop to it. Jenna, Victor, thank you for inviting us over today. Everything is delicious. Victor smiled. Thank you. Uh, Isn't Jenna's sangria amazing? He said, sounding genuinely like himself. I sat back down and rubbed his arm. Thank you, honey. Oh, I forgot the hot sauce. He offered to grab it like I knew he would. Once he was inside, I turned to the coven. Listen, I'm done with y'all. You stay on your side of town and I'll stay on mine. Eat your food and get out. (laughs) You leaving us alone is music to our ears. Great. Enjoy. I tell you to go fuck yourself, but I know you're already planning to do that over at Carmen's house next week. (laughs) Brooke stared at me and the smirk dropped from her face. She raised her hands as if she was going to do something to me. Bibi told her not to be rash, and Brooke put her hands down. I doubted myself along the way, but I was right from the beginning. You're all just a bunch of evil bitches who have had everything handed to you. Don't get mad at us for working smarter, not harder. We would have shown you how, but it's clear you don't have the right temperament. You're right, I don't. And I'm going to expose you bitches somehow. Trust. Now get out. Brooke laughed as the witches stood up and left. I noticed Megan looking back over her shoulder at me. I took a deep breath and went inside to check on Victor. He was nowhere to be found. I texted him. He was on his way to town to pick up hot sauce. When he got back, he was upset that everyone had left. I told him what happened, sort of. I didn't include the stuff about them being witches. I said they insulted me and made me feel like I didn't belong. We all agreed to steer clear of each other. I don't think you should make enemies of these women. They have so much influence. Too late. Seeing his pained look, I told him I was kidding. As we were starting to pack up the food, I gently probed Victor about what he remembered from the brunch. He didn't recall much beyond chatting with Bibi about building his fire and then being in the grocery store to get my favorite hot sauce. You know what? Instead of packing up this food, why don't we invite over some of your friends? I just want to have some fun. Don't you? Yeah, babe. He said, picking me up and spinning me around. (laughs) Maybe we can take a swim in the lake, too. I went to put on my bikini while he texted everyone. I shaved myself to within an inch of my life. I put on makeup, including my secret weapon, red lipstick. Before I went downstairs to greet everyone, I cast a protection spell over Victor that I found on the internet. I wasn't sure how well it would work. But since my other feelings spell worked on him, I figured this one would too. 
The people he invited over to the house were more chill than the bros he talked to at Brooks Barbecue. They were funny and smart. They reeked of privilege every time they talked about how they got their jobs or their apartments in the city. Must be nice to have a life with no worries. After a few gin and tonics, I didn't mind telling them I went to a small college in Pennsylvania as opposed to Yale or Harvard or Columbia or wherever they had gone to. Uh, I wish I'd gone to an HBCU. At least that would have been something. I flirted and smiled and laughed at Cordy jokes. I was everybody's best friend. I knew I needed to get some social allies to beat these witch bitches at their own game. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Jenna is so confident about Brooke, Carmen, Bibi, and Megan being witches that I'm starting to feel persuaded by her conviction. I have to admit that the encounter I recorded with Brooke doesn't seem natural. And by natural, I mean my not remembering large parts of it is unnatural. I catch up with the so-called coven at a silent auction at the Chrysalis Club. I approach the four of them as they step out to the patio. They smile, though I don't feel any warmth. Brooke takes my hand in hers. My body remembers a slightly calloused caress from the other night, and I get goosebumps. I get a flash of pulling her garter down with my teeth. Did that really happen? God. Thank you for the lovely feature about me. Your office called for approvals. I blush. I'm feeling the heat now. (laughs) I withdraw my hand and tell her she's welcome. I take a step away from her gravitational pull. Megan steps in between me and Brooke. How are you doing, Elise? Did you enjoy the pie? Very much, thank you. It was delicious, I say, feeling instantly better. She has such a calming energy. Before any of them can make their excuses to leave, I tell them I'm there to get their side of the story about what Jenna said about them. I pull my phone out of my Balenciaga and hold it out like an old-timey reporter. Oh, do you not remember the conversation you had with Brooke and me at my house? She did seem distracted at the time, Brooke says, a devilish smile on her face. You're Sabine's daughter, aren't you? Phoebe says, as if all she's been trying to do for the past few minutes is place me. Give Sabine and Connor my best. I nod, and she nods, putting her hands in her pockets. Brooke seems confused by Bibi's sudden silence. Elise, we truly aren't interested in hearing any more of Jenna's slander, Megan says to me quite gently, but I bristle at the word slander. Are you denying that you all had a serious row with Jenna when she invited you over to the Richardson estate? Brooke moves Megan aside and steps forward. No pleasantries in her face. I don't have a good feeling about this. And when it comes to fight or flight mode, I always freeze. Speaking of the Richardson estate, I hear you're staying with Victor now. 
Still following him around with puppy dog eyes? Does he know what a mess you were before your big college makeover? I straighten my back. I will not be distracted. Who told her about my makeover in college? I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to help find Jenna. Carmen takes Brooke and Megan's hands. Megan reluctantly joins hands with BB. I look around to see if anyone inside at the auction is paying attention. I want to turn and run, but as predicted, I freeze. The bumpy road of high school is tread once more. Bad hair, bad skin with oil-filled pores. Daddy's wallet couldn't carry you far. Now, mind's eye begins to recall that which you've suppressed. You feel every moment. You feel it all. The rest of the women whisper in unison with Carmen. I begin to hear the nickname some of the mean girls in school gave me freshman year in high school. Greasilies. I had oily skin like every other kid in high school. Why did they have to pick on me? They would ask me if Sabine had adopted me because they couldn't see any of her genes in my face. Ugh, oh my god. I'm stuck here, in my mind. I can feel the four women walking around me. I grab Megan's arm. I think it's Megan. It feels soft, almost pudgy. Please don't leave me here. Please. She gently removes her arm. I tried to warn you on Labor Day. She whispers, making her exit. I make my way out of Chrysalis and wander around town. Maybe I can walk this off. Jeez, I just remembered my green eyeliner face. I bump into Bobby Kawasaki. Not now, universe! Before I get more than a few steps away, I hear him say, Wow, excuse you. I feel a burning in my chest. I did so much for him in high school. I tried so hard, and he gave me nothing. He may be tallish and fit now, but in high school, he was a skinny geek with pimply skin as bad as mine. No, Bobby! Excuse you! I shout with the pent-up fury of 16-year-old me trying to give him oral sex to no avail. I may have been far from perfect in high school, but guess what, bud? So are you! I did everything I could to make our time together special. I made playlists and handmade cards for you. I gave you head! Another Asian man with aviators resting on top of his short, bleach-blonde hair comes up and kisses Bobby on the shoulder and looks at me with a smile? <laughs> oh yeah? When was this? Uh, now I know why Bobby's penis was so limp in my mouth. This man and Bobby have matching wedding bands. You're gay, Bobby? Why didn't you come out to me? Uh, honestly, I didn't want you to make it your next cause celeb. I wouldn't have cared. I spent the rest of high school and half of my college years thinking I couldn't turn a guy on. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. Bobby's husband stifles a laugh. I start crying, thinking back to when Bobby broke up with me in high school via text. Elise, you're making this about you. You want to know why I didn't come out to you in high school, hmm? This is why. 
the husband starts pulling Bobby backwards slowly. I stomp my feet and start screaming, I am not a racist! I am not a racist! I hear a voice behind me. Elise. Leave me alone! I remember wearing the wrong shade of foundation one day in 10th grade and washing it off in the bathroom after the mean girls laughed at me behind my back. Joyce Calloway, oh, God bless her. She was the only person nice enough to let me know. She'd waited until 2.30 in the afternoon. Elise, it's me, Victor. I come into the present again and see the concern in Victor's face. Are you high? He whispers, hurting me away from prying eyes. Oh, part of me hopes no one is recording this. He puts me in his car, which I'm glad is nearby. As he walks around to the driver's side, I, I can hear him asking himself why he attracts women like this. I guess he means me and Jenna. He says to himself, But this is getting out of hand. I don't know what came before the butt, but... <laughs> Such a funny little homonym. I giggle like 14-year-old me. But... <laughs> Victor groans and drives us home. Long, July 18th. When Victor and I had sex this afternoon, I remembered to make a wish as I came. I want my next book to be a big hit! I screamed, still grinding. Victor was confused and slightly amused, but he cared less and less the closer he got to finishing. When he was done, he exited my body and plopped down beside me. Relaxed and happy, he told me he loved me before taking a cat nap. I suddenly felt conflicted. I love Victor. That wasn't the problem. I wondered how much I could really love him if I couldn't be honest with him about those women being witches. But I don't want him to think I'm crazy. I don't want to hear him actually say those words. Me and the witch bitches agreed to stay away from each other yesterday, but I know they're already working spells against me. My agent called me up to fire me as a client this morning. I'm sure that was one of the coven, probably Bibi. I had to mix and match parts of different spells to create a new spell that would clear my agent's mind. She called me back a couple hours later to tell me how much she loved me and my work. I told her I was fleshing out an idea that would blow her mind. While Victor slept, I went outside for an afternoon walk. There was a nice breeze that cleared away the mugginess by the lake. It was so quiet, sacred as opposed to creepy. I walked into the woods east of the lake and wound up sitting by a thick, gigantic tree. I could feel it talking to me through my chakras and shit. Like, I didn't know what it was saying because it wasn't speaking English, just emotions. It felt like the tree was tired of being strong and sad. My intuition told me it was the hanging oak the historian was talking about in town. I'm sorry you were used to hurt people. You shouldn't feel like that's your legacy, I said to the tree. Humans use you as a weapon against others. If they hadn't used you, they would have used something else, like magic. Wait, what do you know about magic? 
Have you ever seen a real witch? I have a gang of witch bitches coming after me. I guess they want me to get out of town, not just avoid them. But no way am I leaving Victor here alone with them. He has to take care of this land and I have to take care of him. Who knows, maybe I have to take care of the land too. And maybe you. Maybe that's what Colonial Jenna wants. Me to take care of you, do you know her? As soon as I finished talking, I started hearing wailing, like multiple voices crying. I scrambled back to the safety of the house as soon as I could, got in bed with Victor and pulled the blankets up over my head. You're listening to If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Gabory Sidibe. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It is executive produced by and stars Gabri Sidibe. Written by Pia Wilson and produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Michael Coulter and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Gabri Sidibe, Sarah Natacheni, Aaron Landon, Lena Klingeman, Tony D., Alba Ponce de Leon, Tiana Camacho, Jordan Belsky, Eli Gonzalez, and Andrew Lee. Directed by Kaylin West and Amanda Rose Smith. Sound designed by Fred Greenhalge and Carter Wogan of Dagaz Media. Audio engineered by Corey Barton. Original theme music by Hashem Asadolahi. Cover art by Kendall Thomas with original illustration by Rochelle Baker. 